We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, November the 13th. Friday, November the 13th, 2020. Now, you're not superstitious about numbers and days. The Bible is pretty clear about that. Don't worry about Friday the 13th. It's November 13th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on November 13, 1982, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial was dedicated on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Today, in 1789, <clears throat> Benjamin Franklin wrote a letter to a friend, Jean Baptiste Leroy, often quoted, but here's where it came from and when. Franklin wrote to his friend, he said, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Today, in 1851, the London to Paris Telegraph, it began operation. Today, in 1862, Lewis Carroll wrote in his diary, quote, I began writing the fairy tale of Alice. I hope to finish it by Christmas. Alice in Wonderland. Today, in 1927, the Hall and uh, Tunnel opened to the public, providing access between lower Manhattan and New Jersey beneath the Hudson River. Most of you listening to this program today don't make that drive every day, but for the millions who do, that was a really big deal. Today in 1942, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed a measure lowering the minimum draft age from 21 to 18. And today in 1956, the Supreme Court struck down laws calling for racial segregation on public buses. And today in 2000, Lawyers for George W. Bush failed to win a court order barring manual recounts of ballots in Florida. Florida Secretary of State Catherine Harris, she announced she would end the recounting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time the next day. Well, immediately, the lawyers for Al Gore appealed that. We all remember that, if we've been around a while at all. All this over the vote count and all that, this is not new. It's not unique to Trump and to today. This has been going on for quite some time. There have been many, many, many other elections. People on both sides of the political aisle have taken issue with the vote count. So don't let the press kind of lead you to believe that this is the first time anything like this has ever happened. That's what kind of the tone that I get when I watch just the regular press, the mainstream press. During a speech before the Federalist Society yesterday, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, he said, quote, in certain quarters, religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right. This is a Supreme Court uh, justice, Samuel Alito. I'm quoting him. He said, Religious liberty is becoming a disfavored right. And he said, <laughs> and he said it's being viewed as not a cherished freedom. He said, 
it's often used and viewed as just an excuse for bigotry, and it can't be tolerated, even when there's no evidence that anybody has been harmed. He began by cautioning that, from aside from specific references to any Supreme Court cases, that he wasn't going to be commenting on the legality of coronavirus restrictions, because obviously the Supreme Court is ruling on those kinds of things uh, now, and have been and will be in the future. He said he wanted to be very clear. He's not making any statements about certain specific rulings, but he has deep concerns about the erosion of religious liberty. He said that coronavirus has highlighted disturbing trends that were already present before the virus struck. He said cases involving coronavirus restrictions have, quote, pointed up emerging trends in the assessment of individual rights. This is especially evident with respect to religious liberty, he said. He continued, It pains me to say this, but in certain quarters, religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right. He contrasted the bipartisan passage of the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act with the backlash faced by states that have attempted to pass or pass similar legislation in the last few years. Well, I've talked about that over the last few years on this program. It's very concerning. And it's very reassuring to know that there's at least one, and I suspect there are more, on the Supreme Court who are also concerned about it. Alito contrasted the bipartisan passage of that to what is happening now in the, um, and he talked quite a bit about that, about what's happening in our culture today. Then he turned to, quote, the protracted campaign against the Little Sisters of the Poor. He mentioned Ralph's pharmacy case. That's Ralph's Pharmacy is in Olympia, and in fact, the family that owns Ralph's, I've talked about them over the years, they actually support this ministry and have for years. But he talked about the Masterpiece case, uh, uh, Cake Shop case. He said, you can easily see the point for many today, religious liberty is not a cherished freedom. It's often just an excuse for bigotry, and it can't be tolerated even when there's no evidence that anybody's been harmed. And he said, the cases... I just mentioned, illustrate the point. As far as I'm concerned, he said, not one employee of the Little Sisters has come forward and demanded contraceptives under the Little Sisters plan. He said there was no risk that Ralph's referral practice, the the family that owns Ralph's, what they were doing is say they wouldn't carry abortion pills. And of course, the state, Gregoire at the time, came down hard on them and went all the way to the Supreme Court, obviously. He's talking about it now. What they were saying is just, we don't carry those, but there's a pharmacy up the street, XYZ, where you can get these. It wasn't that people couldn't get them if he didn't carry the contraceptive pills. It was that he didn't carry them because of his deeply held Christian biblical beliefs. So that's the point that the justice is making here. He said, there was no risk that Ralph's referral practice could have deprived any woman of the drug she sought, and no reason to think that Jack Phillips' stand, that's the baker in in, uh, Colorado, would deprive any same-sex couple of a wedding cake. The couple that came to his shop was given a free cake by another bakery, Alito says, which is true, they did, and celebrity chefs, he said, have jumped to to the couple's defense, which they did. Alito then noticed that cases where coronavirus restrictions that blatantly discriminated against houses of worship in California and Nevada were upheld by the Supreme Court. Alito stated that in both cases, the rationale was that the court should defer to the governors. 
Alito continued that his this deference meant that Nevada treated casinos more favorably than houses of worship. He continued to express his concern, and it actually was a a kind of a sense of made me feel better to know that he was concerned about it. It isn't just some of us who talk about these things or some of us who are very keyed in and well-informed about what's going on in, in the culture. He, as a Supreme Court justice, is also very concerned. I would suspect that that reflects, I know it does, the feelings of Clarence Thomas and certainly Amy Coney Barrett would share those feelings and hopefully Brett Kavanaugh and and Gorsuch would as, as well. As we move into November, we got to think about Thanksgiving, talking about it. Governor Jay Inslee was on in front of a camera yesterday saying that he and his wife are going to play Scrabble. I think it was Scrabble that he said on Thanksgiving, not going to have any contact with anybody. It's a tough time of the year to not have contact with the family and not to gather and be, be together and do what we do and give thanks and celebrate the Lord as Christians and so on. It's some of the some of the rules, some of the circumstances that have been imposed on all of us are difficult and it makes life difficult. I was thinking about the verses in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Kind of gives us a roadmap to to be thankful, to thankfulness when we're facing challenges. Life always has challenges, but this particular time is difficult. It's tough. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you feel like the pressure of the circumstances all around us, the, the, the presidential election, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, all this other stuff pressing in, the coronavirus, uh, you know, Inslee, he said he was really encouraged. I noticed he said that twice. The first time I've heard him say that. He's pretty sure that uh, that Biden is the next president, that he is already inaugurated, even though he isn't, <clears throat> because he's feeling good. Uh, Inslee said that twice in his comments. He said, I'm really feeling positive. He said, I'm really feeling good. Well, good for him. Some of the rest of us aren't feeling so good about the way things are going politically, but he seems to be. But, you know, regardless of the circumstances, we can go to the Lord and we can be thankful. We can be thankful that in the toughest circumstances, God is walking with us, beside us. Remember the little poem, the thing about walking the two footprints in the sand? I mean, it was so popular here a few years ago, but it's still so true. The person sees the footprints and the Lord is walking beside them along the beach in the sand. And then the person asks the Lord, well, why are there only one set of footprints here? Why did you leave me in the most difficult time? And the Lord answers and said, well, there's only one set of footprints because I was carrying you during those difficult times. So I think it bears, I think it bears well that we remember those kinds of truth because God is with us. He's with you. And yes, these are difficult times. It would be foolish to be in denial. But we cannot and should not deny the fact that God is with us. God will see us through this. The floods can come, the fires, all of that. God is with us. I believe that with all my heart. I get up every day and start the day and take 
those steps that whatever we do during the day, which for me, five days out of seven is sitting right here at this microphone talking to you. And I know that all of the things that are happening in this world that are contrary to the things that I believe based on God's word, I see it all coming down just as you do. But I will tell you that God is greater than all of it, and he is in control. I want to thank you for your support during this time. These are difficult times, and you have been very gracious and very generous to us in supporting and helping us to pay our bills each month. I read an article just this morning that many churches are contemplating what their next step is going to be because they're behind. Uh, I've read a couple of articles this week where nonprofit organizations such as ourselves are facing the possibility of shutting down. And there's a lot of discussion about that now. These are tough times. We don't and are not going to make a big deal out of fundraising day in and day out on this program. If it isn't there, we just would not continue. But I will tell you, we do need your support. And I am so grateful to God for your support. And I'm grateful to you. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to faithandfreedom.us. And um, that's our website. First thing you'll see is the article that I published that particular day. Or if it's on a weekend on Friday, you'll see that. But up at the top of the page, you'll see a, a little tab that says Donate. You can click that and make a donation. More and more people are doing that now. Thank you so much, however you do it. Thank you. President Trump kind of came out of his silence, and that's rare for him to be silent, but he hasn't said too much. He's been tweeting, but he hasn't said too much the last few days. But yesterday he came out, he kind of laid out a path to victory. Boy, that's contrary to everything you're hearing on the news, that's for sure. He says he still thinks he can win this this, uh, 2020 election. And uh, he was in his comments showing a readiness to continue to challenge former Vice President Joe Biden, who he has some leads in several key states. And Trump, admit, I mean, he acknowledged that. He's not in denial. But Trump made a comment, and I thought that was worthy of passing along to you in case you didn't hear it, and the press, of course, didn't cover it. But he said, quote, he said, never bet against me. And that's the Trump of you know, the construction industry and the skyscraper building industry. He said, never bet against me. He said, I find a way. Well, I I pray he does. But that's what he said. And he gave an interview to the Washington Examiner. I thought that was interesting, not Fox. Um, but he said he's unwilling to concede the election as long as votes were being counted and challenged in court. And he said, to start with, he said, he said, I'm I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to win Wisconsin if we recount, hand recount, much like back in the day of Bush and Gore. And he said, if the campaign campaign can get an audit of the votes cast in the state, he said, I'm pretty sure we can win in, in Arizona as well. He said, I think we'll find they'll find 8000 votes that got <clears throat> lost somewhere along the line. He's also hoping for a recount of a hand recount of votes in Georgia. And I think I read somewhere, actually, I mean, he would know, obviously, but I seemed like I had read somewhere that that has already taken place. 
Well, let me talk to you just a little bit today about the evangelicals' relationship with the Trump administration. Joe Biden is pretending to be the next president of the United States. I think we all know that. He's everywhere all the time, but goes nowhere, really. But the press covers him as though he's 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 covering ground like Trump did. Five big rallies per day there at the end of the, just before the, the vote, election day. But he's just pretending as though he is the president and he's moving forward. I understand that's a strategy. He knows he isn't president. His lawyers know he is not. He's not even president-elect yet. Really, he isn't. But regardless of the eventual outcome of this 2020 election, which is still to be decided, I just want to pause and take a look at how we, the evangelical Christian community, affected this election. We made a difference, but I want to talk about to what end, at least for some of us. There's an abundance of corruption and fraud in the election. There's no question about that, regardless of how often the news media, both national and local, they repeatedly say there is no evidence, no evidence. Anytime they mention the election, they always say President Trump is, or or Donald Trump, most of them call him now, is alleging this and alleging that, and there is no evidence. There is absolutely no evidence. I'm hearing that as much as we heard for so many days that these riots that were happening in Seattle and Portland and Milwaukee and New York and all over the place, there was mostly peaceful. They weren't mostly peaceful. If you drive down the streets of these cities, the windows are broken out. They're all boarded up. It looks like a a cardboard, you know, movie set or something. I mean, it's pathetic. They weren't mostly peaceful, but they were defined that way by the press because that's the way they wanted it to be. Well, this election is alleged. This election is no evidence. There is no evidence of corruption. Well, the evidence is everywhere. I don't have the time today to go through even what I know to be evidence. It's pretty pretty hardcore evidence, but I wrote more about this than I have time to say today, but there's, I put some of what is obvious and and well-documented in the piece that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us. But, I mean, they're finding stuff all over the place. Eyewitnesses have seen, and they've sworn this under oath. I mean, they've they've signed an affidavit. They're liable if they're lying, and they're not. They know they're not. They've seen batches of ballots. Sixty percent of them have the same signature. Eyewitnesses have seen batches of ballots scanned five times. They were all Biden. Eyewitnesses have seen and signed affidavits, 35 ballots counted that were not connected to a voter record. Poll workers marking ballots that had no marks on them. I mean, all this, and it goes on and on and on and on. And Trump is gathering a lot of evidence. We'll see how it plays out. God is in control. But the failed software that caused this error in Antrim County, um, that is a big deal. And I mean, one American news, I've mentioned them a couple of times lately as an alternative to Fox. They're, as far as I can see, they're pretty consistently um, conservative. And they're, they don't have the agenda that Fox, see, it seems to be emerging in Fox. And more and more people are watching them uh, on for their news, for their conservative national news. I've been watching them for about a year. I discovered them about a year ago. I don't have any connection there except... I just know about them. But they've been reporting on this uh, software for this program that that basically ran our election. 
uh, and they it's called Dominion. I mean, that's the name of it. It's the voting system. And the, the press has been forced to uh, report that there have been some glitches with this. Well, it's way beyond some glitches. And OAN uh, has been leading, kind of leading in the investigation of this. They're not as sophisticated as Fox on the air, but, boy, they're on it. And they're pretty, I mean, they're doing a great job. But they find they have found, and they're reporting, that glitches, quote, unquote, have been very favorable, not exclusively, but almost exclusively favorable to candidate Joe Biden. And that the program itself, that's why Trump and others are demanding a hand count, have deleted as many as 2.7 million votes for Biden. In Pennsylvania alone, 221,000 votes were switched from Trump to Biden on this program, the count. And they, they have a long list of this. We'll be talking more about this in the days to come. But I just wanted to make you aware of that. The point that isn't being made is that Dominion was rejected by the Texas uh, uh, Secretary of State back in 2013 and 2019 again because they were finding various glitches, and they said, man, this will can lead to a basic reliability failure and accuracy failure in a real election. So they had been testing this, but the press is not covering it. They're not telling you about that. The voting system's improperly counted ballots are, are, are out there, and it's everywhere. The problem with this, um, with this system, I'm, I'm, there's a much more to be said, but time you know, is, is short on this program. But I've done a lot of research on this, and I will tell you that the, the problem, most of the problems are, I mean, the people are, are doing this thing, and you hear 6,000 votes here, and you put that up against 100 and 45,000 votes cast, 145 million votes cast, and you say, well, you know, that's nothing. Well, perhaps, but when you look at this at this system and the failure of it, even Fox 5 in Atlanta is now starting to report that 80,000 absentee ballots were affected by this Dominion software, and it looks as though it was in favor of Joe Biden, the candidate. They also have found that there's irregularities where some of the Trump, uh, the Trump ballots that were counted, people who voted for Trump, out of several million, only 818 of them voted for anyone in the Senate race. And people who vote tend to vote for Senate. As you get down ballot and you see people that you're not familiar with, sometimes you don't vote for everybody. I mean, you don't vote in every category. And, and that was taken into consideration. But at the same time, hundreds of thousands of Biden uh, ballots were voting for the Democrat senators who were running in their particular area. And this happened to be in Georgia. But uh, on the Trump ballots, according to the computer program, only 818 people out of these several million voted for anyone other than Donald Trump. On the, and they said, that's very suspect. And you can set up algorithms on these programs. I, I, I am a tech, uh, I'm the, whatever's the opposite of a genius, that's what I am on tech. I, I know where the buttons are, and I turn them on when we start up here in the, in the morning, and somebody else does everything else, and, and I think they know what they're doing most of the time, and we're good. But um, 
I do know that you can put these algorithms, you can embed them into these programs, and it, it almost, you know, it's artific- almost artificial intelligence. It, it can almost think and anticipate. And that's what seems to be emerging in this um, in these programs, and particularly this Dominion. Interestingly enough, there is a direct tie between the developers of this Dominion uh, voting system um, software and the Clintons. <laughs> Why are you not surprised? The person that's running this business that developed this software has been working with the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation for quite some time. So there's a very strong link between them and the Clintons and the money and all, all of that. So <clears throat> we'll let this play out. We'll see what happens. But it isn't as like the press is presenting it to you. Not at all. What we have found in all of the voting is that some evangelicals decided to vote against Donald Trump. Now, please hear me, and I I wrote an article on this today that has much more information than I'm going to be able to get to today, but what I'm saying is not shame on you for not voting for the right guy. What I'm saying is we need to maybe take a step back and take a deep breath and take a look at why we do what we do. Joel Rosenberg is the, I think he's the founder, but he's the director, he's the head of of this um, uh, All Israel News. It's a pro-Israel publication. And they hired uh, McLaughlin and Associates to do a study for them because they wanted to know what the deal was because Trump has been very, very good to Israel, as we all know. He believes in Israel and America's position of support to Israel, and he believes that the Bible teaches that. I've heard him mention that before. But in this, they found that there was if 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 Trump ends up losing this election, and that's far from clear, that it's found in the numbers where a few people, evangelicals, decided either to set it out or not vote for Trump. And uh, Rosenberg said the reason they did this, he said, after all, whoever does win the American presidency and control the House and Senate will shape U.S. policy toward Israel the broader Middle East and North Africa in ways that will affect hundreds of millions of people. No question that Trump won the white, born-again evangelical Christian vote decisively. But in 2016, Trump won 81% of evangelicals, according to Pew. This year, only 79.4% of evangelicals voted for Trump. Well, that's not very many. Well, it is when there are millions and millions of voters. This is 2.6 points higher. Biden won 18.6, 2.6 higher than than Hillary. This computes, if you do the math, on the basis that there's, say, 45 million uh, evangelicals, that accounts for 450,000 votes to 700,000 votes. And if you put that on top of the results that we're looking at today, and they go into detail, and I went into some detail, it's highly sourced. So if you go to, again, faithandfreedom.us, it's all there. And you could take your time and read through it. But the evangelicals said some of the reasons that they didn't vote for Trump was his behavior, uh, the way he criticizes people, and so on. And that was, for the most part, why they didn't vote for him. But I would leave you with this question. If you didn't vote for him and voted for Biden, can you justify that on a moral basis when abortion, gay rights, and all of this will be expanded on every front? under a Biden 
presidency. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. And again, thanks for your support, your prayers.